I'm pulling out of a driveway, but not my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. And I have another carpool guest. So Mark, say hello. Hello, everybody. So Mark Purvis is back. So now that uh, Unstable is out and about, he and I can talk with total and absolute <laughs> freedom. Last time we were talking and we couldn't, we couldn't share everything because it wasn't known yet. But now... Um, we can talk about anything and everything. So I'm going to let you lead this conversation, Mark, since oh. I, I, I will sure do many other podcasts on un, un, Unstable, but uh, you, we got to talk about what you want to talk about. Sure. Um, I want to talk about how much sets like this push the boundaries of what we do. Um, and I'm going to need your help with this quite a bit because mm-hmm. you are much closer to how the things that we... Um, that we pushed with this set are being implemented in in current things and future things and well probably things that we can't talk about. Well, one one of the real interesting things is, and I talked about this actually in a podcast somewhat recently. R and D did a hackathon where we were looking at future ideas, and one of the interesting thing was how much of our vocabulary about what we could do was shaped by silver bordered cards. Yep. Like we would talk about something, they go, "Oh yeah, like such and such a card," and that. In so much of our advanced talk of where we can go, like it was already spelled out because people understood the concepts because of silver border cards. It was really, really interesting of like how much that entire week was shaped by us going, oh, well, this silver border card, could we bring that to black border? So it was really interesting. Well, you know, you and I have talked about since the set has started to become public, one of the pieces of feedback we often get is, I love this card so much, I wish it was in black border. And a lot of times, we, we talk about the possibility of bringing those cards or those mechanics, at least not the cards, into a black-bordered environment. But I was kind of surprised by some of the things that it turns out don't necessarily work in the black-bordered rule system. Yeah, but what we found was there, there, were, there were a couple of reasons things would be in Silver Border. Um, usually the number one reason something would be in Silver Border what would be... Um, that it doesn't actually work in black border. You might think it works in black border, but it doesn't. So a really good example is... Um, last Strike, right? Last Strike, yes. So Last Strike got introduced during Future Sight. Uh, last Strike and Triple Strike, because if you can do Last Strike, then of course you do Triple Strike. Yep. Um, and it got introduced, and the idea was, you know, oh, this should be easy. It's just opposite First Strike. And when they actually tried to like change the rules to make it work, it just was super, super, super messy. And it wasn't that, like, we couldn't do it as much as it wasn't worth the pain of doing. It just wasn't, you know, it wasn't worth mucking up all the rule systems just to make a few extra cards. Well, Slow Zombie is one of my favorite cards in the set because it's a great example of a card that plays very differently from how it reads. Yeah. Um, usually I like cards when they play a lot better than they read, but this one plays a lot worse than worse. it reads. Yeah, you... This is one of the cards you have to play with to realize how much of a drawback uh, Last Strike is. Yep. It's a fine blocker, but uh, if you give all of your opponent's creatures first strike, essentially, which yeah. is what it does, uh, it can be blocked by an army of tokens and do nothing. So, um, But, by the way, if if you put first strike on it, it, it gains what we now call split strike, and it'll deal damage both during first strike and last strike. So you, you can make it a, a pseudo double strike, or not exactly true double strike but that's funny so the uh so the other thing that happened some of the cards um and the good example of this would be crow storm so crow storm the mechanic is doable in black border 
But what happened was I went and talked to the developers and what I said to them is, do we want to do this in Blackboard? And they're like, well, this is really dangerous. If we did it, we'd have to be super, super conservative about it. So I think the card in our, you know, in Unstable costs two and a blue. And it would have had a cost like four and a blue or five and a blue. Like it would have, we would have had a cost so it just wasn't playable because that's, it's such a dangerous card that there's no, we wouldn't want to jeopardize vintage and legacy and stuff. So <laughs> the reason I ended up putting in our set is like, oh, well, I'll make it at the price where cubes can play it. Because if I put it at a price, you know, it just, it couldn't be competitively priced if we put it in a real blackboard set because they really would be worried about it. And so it was kind of a silly card anyway. It had a lot of joke aspects to it. So I'm like, I'd rather put it in the joke set in a way that would be in its kind of fun form that you could cube rather than in its weaker form that we'd have to do in a blackboard set. So that, there's different reasons things go in a silver bordered set. Um, a lot of them have to do though with, like for example, there's a um, direct damage spell with trample. Yeah. I have tried to do that in Black Border. In fact, there's a card in Odyssey called Liquid Fire, which is the jankiest ridden card. Because I made a card that said, deal five, trample, and it turned into Liquid Fire, which is like, uh, you know, pick some number that adds up to five, and some goes to the creature, and some goes to its controller, and you know. Um, and it's one of those things where the way trample is ridden, it just, yeah, yeah, it works. Like a lot of what, to me, the best Silver Border cards are is, you get it. You get it. You understand it. If I tell you what it is, it's instantly understandable. But just because it's, it's understandable to humans doesn't mean kind of that the rules parsing system can understand things. So um, you couldn't, you still couldn't print that in Black Border. We can't. No, we can't. It's not the way Trample is written. We can't. Wow. Um, now it's funny. A lot of people, like we, I, I agree with you. One of the big comments I get is, "Hey, why can't this be in Black Border?" Um, now some of it is, we're not there yet. If you look at past, like, in, you know, an Unstable or Unhinged, uh, you know, Meld kind of shows up in BFM, uh, Forecast shows up in Infernal Spawn of Evil, the Pack show up on um, the, the Slug, the Super, the super Fast Slug. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, a Rocket Powered Turbo Slug. Um, but sometimes it takes us a while to sort of stretch the boundaries, and that a lot of what the Silver Borders are meant to be is to push boundaries and get people used to ideas so that there's more familiarity and makes it easier maybe one day to get things in a black border. There's definitely things that I did in this set that I would like to see us do in black border, and this was kind of a way to get me in that direction. You know, is the, like for example, what people don't realize is sometimes when I do something where it pushes the boundaries a little bit, I gotta get people comfortable. Like for example, let's take host and augment. Yep. Um, I believe it'll be a day where what host and augment does most of that can be done in black border. Um, the, the, the losing abilities when you cover things up, that's the tricky part. Um, but joining things together, I mean, Mel does it. So there, there's clearly some ability to do that in black border. Um, but I love what it was trying to do. And I, I feel like with time, maybe we could do that in black border. I mean, there's a few elements of it that, that make us not quite doable yet. Um, well, I, one of the other things I loved about working on this set was that even when the cards were the card file was kind of done. It, it inspired everybody further down to really think outside the box when they were thinking about uh, how to develop those cards, how we talk about the cards when they when the card set does come out. I think about um, just little things like we were in a, a creative meeting and we were talking about Sword of Dungeons and Dragons. And Jeremy Jarvis, uh, who's uh, one of the art directors, just 
you know, he just had this bolt of inspiration and he got up on the, the whiteboard in the meeting room we were in and he drew, he drew essentially a sketch of what ended up being the, the final card that Chris Ron ended up painting and that was, you know, a sword that had a, a mace for one of the blades. Yeah. And, um, and, and the sword itself looks like the logo to Dungeon Dragons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the ampersand. The, the in Dungeon Dragons, uh, you know, D and D, the ampersand has become to be a big symbol for them, and so the sword looks like the ampersand from Dungeon Dragons. And you know, when we were talking about different cards that we could put in the the set itself, we were thinking about our, you know, our, our parent company Hasbro, and one of the things that uh, this set um, inspired us to do was when we did go to jail, for example. Yeah. Um, oh, real quickly. So, go to jail is a white spell. It's kind of like Oblivion Ring. You remove a creature while it's in play. It's an enchantment, and then every upkeep, they can roll two six-sided dice, and if they match, you get out of jail. Right, and uh, it's very, very similar to what happens when you go to jail in the game Monopoly. Yep. And so we reach out to our our, um, our friends uh, across across the country in uh, Rhode Island, Hasbro, and talk to them about what they thought about making a card like this and it opened a lot of doors for us to be able to do um, some of the silver border stuff that we did for Hascon. We made exclusives with Hascon uh, that you could only buy at that convention that were inspired by other brands uh, that Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro own. So there's a there's a Nerf card and there's also a Transformers card. Yeah. So this, this sort of opened the door to other creativity in ways that I don't think any of us anticipated when we first started out working on this set. Or even another one that talks about this one example where the, inf the influence came at before the, the set that influenced it is when we decided to do the lands and do the full bleed, we had to figure out how to do full bleed. That's not something we normally do. Um, but in figuring that out, it made them realize that the Amonkhet um, invocations um, could be used the same technology. So interestingly, it that wouldn't have happened if not for the lands. Um, so it, it's, it's sort of an influence on a set that happened before Unstable even came out. So yep. remember, remember, Unstable was in the works for a long time. And Dawn, Dawn Mirren, I got to give her a shout out because she yeah. was the main art director that worked on the set. And she spent so much time perfecting those lands and yes. working on the, the few framing elements that were there and making sure that each individual land was treated separately so that it could really stand out and I think they just turned out so beautifully. Yeah, another thing that Dawn did is, so originally when we made the set there were 50 contraptions 10 in each of the factions and Dawn came up with this idea of what if we had the artist draw a giant um, portrait and then chopped it up and in order for that to work, you needed nine because you want three by three. So if you put them in card sleeves, it makes a picture. So she came back, and we actually dropped from 50 down to 45 so that we could do that, that we could make the picture. Um, and those are incredible. The, the, they are also full bleed, and so when you when you line them up, um, they, they form a single picture, and it's just amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. And I, I think, um, I know we put the pictures up online, and I think, um, is there other... We turned them into posters as well, so I believe those are, are going to be available at, uh, well, it'll have probably, already passed probably at this been, point. They and were then, available. They were available at the uh, the, the launch events uh, on the weekend of release at, lo at your local game store. Oh, here's something else I can talk about now, because the set's out, which I've not actually, I've not talked about any of the things that when it came out, because it was a surprise. We actually did something to surprise you guys. One of my, um, one of the things that I miss, by the way, is when... 
because I'm, I'm an old timer. There used to be a time when you would go to a magic event, like a pre-release, and you didn't know what was in the set. You would like open guy and you didn't know what was there. And it's the, you know, with the internet, the age of information, it's really, really hard to be surprised. And so what had happened was early, early in design, we were trying to design to printing technology. So one of the things we came up with was variant versions of cards um, that would were changing based on print technology. Now, that didn't... We were a little ahead of ourselves. Ironically, for as much as we worked ahead, we, we were too far ahead for the, some of the ideas we came up with, although uh, the future could still... I mean, printing technology is going to go in some really interesting places. Yeah, we did, we did push the boundaries with this set, yeah. even though ultimately we weren't able to use that technology on this set. Yeah, I mean, we used some of it, but we didn't... There's a whole bunch of stuff we didn't use. But anyway, we had this idea of having variants, and then we realized when we moved over that we still could keep that that one of the rules of magic is a card name, well, that's that. there's only one card with that card name, and we're like, what if that wasn't the case? So we we did this cool thing where we made a bunch of variants. I think there's 13 cards in the set that have more than one variant. Now, the different variants are for different things. Some of them are rules variants, some are art variants, some are watermark variants, um, some of them are name variants. Um, but it's something we did in which we sort of realized it was a cool thing, and then, we spent a lot of energy, a lot of energy to make sure you guys didn't know this ahead of time. Now, actually, we're recording this before Eve came out, so I'm hoping it, it didn't crack before. But, no, pre previews yeah. have started, though, and, yeah. you know, we we do watch fan reaction to everything yeah. that we do, and I've been extremely tickled when people saw a very, very cryptic command. Yeah. And, They're uh, like, this isn't that cryptic. Yeah, this, <laughs> this could be, this could probably be Black Border, and I'm not really sure. Well, the second ability, the second ability is Silver Border, so it technically yeah. can't be. Right. But the, the thing that they don't understand is, the reason we call it very cryptic command is, it, there's six versions, each with four different abilities. Yep. So every time someone casts you, you're like, wait, what can it do? And that, that, um, that card in particular also has something really special going on with it, because it was one of the last commissions that we ever gave to... I think it was the last commission we yeah, ever gave. Yeah, to uh, Wayne England, one of the just one of the best magic artists, and he's a long-time contributor to, to making the, the card sets, and, or to uh, painting yeah, so card he, art. We were doing a, an a homage to Cryptic Command, so he had, I think, done the five original commands back in Lorman, right? Um, I'd have to look that up to be sure, but that sounds right. I think he did, which is why I think we gave him the piece, because he had done the... The way the unsets work is, whenever we're making a riff off an old card, if we're able, we're not always able, but if we're able, we like to give it to the same artist. So, for example, if we're if we're mocking a certain card, we'd like to have the original artist that did the original card do the sort of homage to it. And we do that when we can. We can't always do that, but we do it when we can. Um, so what happens is, the way the art process works is, the artists first draw a sketch and send it in to us so that we can okay it. Um, the reason they do a sketch is sometimes there's a detail that's wrong, or there's something, you know, it gives the art directors a chance to sort of comment before it's all done. Because we don't want it to be all done and then say you need to change things. So, so Wayne has sent in a sketch, and then sadly, um, he died. He died before he was able to do the painting. Yep. Um, and so we actually were, we were like, what are we supposed to do here? You know, what do we want to do? And we really wanted a way to sort of make a nod to Wayne. So what we ended up doing, because there are six versions of the card, what we were able to do is um, somebody else, I, I don't know the artist off the top of my head, but somebody else stepped in uh, as a tri and, and I, I think tried to paint it kind of how Wayne would do it um, and did an homage to Wayne. And then one of the cards, we took his original sketch, the, the pencil sketch, because that's all we had, 
and we put it on the card. And you'll notice that in each card, um, there's one of the four abilities kind of an unishability. So one of the things that we did in um, Unhinged is we did some Artist Matter stuff, which isn't a major theme in Unstable, but we did make, there is a, a Wayne Ungl England, um, one of the abilities like literally cares about him. So uh, on the card that's his card, we not only is it his art, but we actually, his cards are better when using that card. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, and it was, a, I, I think, a, a nice homage to him. And by the way, I think, um, I, I know this and I don't think, um, uh, Ultra Pro made play mats and card sleeves of the original sketch art and all donations from those sleeves, those sleeves and those, those um, play mats are going to a charity. I believe it's the British Heart Foundation. Yeah, it's, it's a charity picked by his family. So all the stuff there is being donated to that in, in, in his honor. So um, once again, this is being recorded after the fact. But I, Ultra Pro probably still has it if you haven't seen them yet. Yep. Um, so you can pick them up. Ultra Pro, by the way, I think did four different images. Um, so that you can, there are other, beside the, the, the Wayne sketch, there's some other, there's uh, Selfie Preservation, there's um, Earl of Squirrel, there's Squirrel Dealer. Yep. Um, there's a bunch of different stuff, a lot of squirrel stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so that the art in this set is also just so phenomenal. There's, uh, you know, because it was above and beyond what we normally do, it was an opportunity for us to go outside the normal um, artist roster that we use for, for a regular magic set. We ended up coming off with some really talented new people. Yeah, in fact, here's the stat I know is, so Dawn was really, one of the things about doing unsets is it was on top of a lot of other things we do. So Dawn used it as an experiment to try new artists and 12 artists that got used in this set got brought over and are doing normal Blackboard magic now. So yet another contribution to Blackwater Magic. We found a whole bunch of new artists. We should do these more often than, you know, every, what, 10, 12 years. I, I, well, you, <laughs> you and I agree on that. Uh, I actually got asked on, online, which is if I had to say how often I would do them, how often would we do Silver Border? What do you think? Um, I think I said online somewhere like three to four years. Um, yep. You know, that, 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 that you want to do something that's special, but not something, not something that, like, a whole generation of players have never seen it. That, that feels wrong. Right. 13 years is wrong, that I know. One thing uh, I think would be interesting to at least talk about is the possibility of making some kind of deck product that would have some border cards in it. Like, a lot of people have asked about uh, being able to play with silver border cards in their commander groups, and, you know, the the commander uh, rules committee is not a, a group of their... Not Watson. Right, they're external to They're yeah. external, so that's not something that um, we necessarily control. But I always say that if you have a play group that will let you play with silver border cards, by all means, put that Earl of Squirrel in your in your green deck. And what, what you'll find is there are different kinds of silver border cards. Sometimes if you talk to your group, they're fine with Earl of Squirrel, which is not that far away from a black border card, where something a little sillier, you know, where you're putting your head on the table or something, maybe, maybe they don't want you to do that. Right. You know? Yep. Although that's a good card too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's, um, you know, there's fewer physical feats in this set than there than there were in previous sets. Yeah. One of the philosophies I took on this set was that I wanted a little bit of sprinkling of the weird, but have it be a little tiny addition, not a major part of it. So if you enjoy that, there's a little bit of it. 
But if you don't like it, you can avoid it easily. It's not something you need to do. In fact, the saucer, the one that puts your head on the table, I changed it such that the ETB effect that kills things, like if you want to keep the body around, you need to put your head on the table. But if you just want to kill something with it, eh, you don't have to put your head on the table. So like the, the main point of the card is killing something. So if you really just want to kill it, fine. It can be a kill spell. You know, the, the, the head head on the table is for a little extra bonus, but it's not the main thrust of what the card is, so. Yeah, I may have told this story before, but I remember when Unhinged came out, it was right after my son was born. And uh, there's, a, there's a card in that set that if you are damaged by it, you have to scream at the top of your lungs. Oh yeah, Red Hot Hottie. Yeah, so that was not acceptable to my wife when uh, my newborn son was trying to take a nap and she was trying to take a nap. Ah, a nambo, if you will. Um, Okay, so by the way, talking about stories, last time you were on, you said, oh, we got to tell the story. I said, oh, no, no, we can't. Oh, right, right. So let's tell the story of, uh, by the way, were you the opponent for this? No, I wasn't even present. Oh, you weren't even present, okay. I may be getting the facts a little uh, Oh, I thought you were the opponent. In fact, I think in my article I said I thought you were the opponent, so. (laughs) Well... Okay, so we were doing a playtest. It was a development playtest for yes. Unstable. And one of my favorite things about this set is the stories that it generates. And so that's why, you know, even if I don't have the the facts straight, it's it's sort of moving on into legends. But I believe it was Ben Hayes. Ben, oh, 100% Ben Hayes, that's for sure. And he was playtesting the set, and he was in a position where he was going to lose, but he had Kind Slaver out on the table. And, uh, and Kind Slaver, for those that don't know, is Mind Slaver, except instead of you taking over their turn, you have somebody external to the game take over their turn. Right. And you're not allowed to advise them. So I believe he chose Brian Hawley. No, 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 no. He chose Tim Aiden. Tim Aiden, okay. So great. for Tim Aiden, for the, real quickly, Tim Aiden is a longtime pro player. Um, he actually worked at Wizards for a while as an editor. Some of you might know him because he was on, not only was he on Jeopardy, but he won eight times in a row and ended up going to the, the champions, the championship, the, what's it called, tournament champions. And he got past the first one. He was in the semifinals and he lost. But um, Tim is a, is Tim is quite a character and he is kind of known for being a bit dour. That's that sort of <laughs> Tim's. So Tim is busy editing, right. and Ben needs someone to, cu- to use the kind flavor. Yeah, and if he, you know, used correctly, it can get Ben out of this jam. It can actually probably win him the game. And uh, this is all taking place in the pit. Where, right, during, during work, because we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're playtesting. And uh, so he, he activates kind slaver, he picks Tim, and as the story goes, Tim gets up from his desk, walks over, looks at the board, spends about... 20 seconds deliberating and then just turns all the creatures sideways and kills Ben. And Ben's like, well, what, why did you do that? And he's like, um, maybe you shouldn't choose me next time when I'm working. Yeah, he's like, ah, it, it was an inf- it was a educational lesson. Don't <laughs> choose me. Correct. <coughs> so, the thing, yeah, the, one of the things, it's funny, because the outside assistant cards is something that was very controversial for a while. Um, and I really, really pushed hard on them because I was, one of the things I like about unsets is I like having a high level variance. That one of the things that's, that makes things fun is you can't always expect what's going to happen. And we had dice rolling and host and suture and contraptions. There's a lot of things that are, have a high variance to them. But I was trying to find, yeah, what's another way to just have things be unknown? And what I thought was, oh, well, what if you involve other people? You know what's really unpredictable? Other people. <laughs> yep, exactly. And, uh, uh, you yeah. know, one of the things we, we talked about was, well, what if you're just playing in a situation where there's only two of you, but you have this technology now where you can just 
text a friend or tweet something and see if you can get a response to... Yeah, well, I'm hoping, by the way, one of the things I think will be good stories is when people pull in non-Magic players. Um, <laughs> kind Slaver is a hard one because you're actually yeah. playing the game. But most of them is like, just make a choice. Show them their hand and they pick a card or, you know, they or, just or pick something. do you like squirrels? Yeah, and do you everybody's like going to say yes unless they have a black, black heart. Yes. Um, or you try to high-five somebody. Yeah. Although, in, in that case, you want them not to high-five you. So you have to pick someone who you don't think will high-five you. <laughs> um, and one of the things that I realize is funny is the, there's a meta game that gets played here that if you play the Unstable long enough, you start to understand what people are asking. So when someone says, do you like squirrels, you know that they want you to say yes. Right. And then it's like, well, I'm going to say yeah. I know they want me to say yes. You know. Unless you feel like, you know, being a troll at right. that moment, which uh, has happened to me in playtests. Yes, there's a lot of, uh, we have a lot of outside assistant stories. Um, oh, here's, here's one of my favorite stories. It involves you. Okay. Um, so I was playing Spike, uh, Spike Tournament Grinder, I think the card is called. So it lets you activate to go get a card that's ever been banned or restricted in a constructed format. Yep. Okay, I activate and they're like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, what can I, what cards can I get? So I go, there's a big cabinet where we have all the old R&D cards and I'm, I'm trying to find a banned restricted card. The problem is those cards are good and, you know, they, they're in deck somewhere, like they're just not in the cabinet. So I'm like, okay, what can I get? Like what, what banned restricted card can I get? So I remember that when Legends first came out, um, legendary creatures for, uh, during the length of Legends and Homelands and I think, I think Ice Age were restricted. Yep. And so I'm like, oh, so we actually had a Legends box. Now, all that was there was the, the jink, jinkiest of Jake <laughs> because anything good had long disappeared from it. Um, but I found a, Sen a Sen Senatian Falconer, which is like a 4-4 for six men or something. Anyway, that's the only thing I could find that was banned restricted. <laughs> so I get that. I play it. I actually did win with it, by the way. But you were so embarrassed <laughs> that you, the next thing you saw me, you brought me a... Um, from the Vault Exiled, yep. which you said, please keep this for all future playtests, because that was embarrassing. At least you can pull a, a channel or a, yeah, well, a, that, I mean, a that, curtain that, tape out of that. Yes, yeah, so well, the whole box has everything, so. Right. And then whenever we would use Spike, that, that's the thing we would always use whenever we use Spike, and we'd pull something out, and there's actually some really, really good cards in that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, one of the fun things, by the way, has been, so I, I'm the unrules manager, so I get a lot of questions, and... It's really interesting in that there's this line that people try to is how far can I push things, you know, like for example, like it says six sided dice, as long as any dice with six sided, no, <laughs> it has to have a one two three four five and six and have an equal chance of rolling one two three or five or six, um, and I, I like people get creative and I'm, I'm willing to let people sort of stretch a little bit, but then there's kind of like look you're just breaking the entire spirit of it, I, I don't care if you're a quote unquote you know, it doesn't say a six-sided die that has six, you know, like, I don't care. Six-sided die, we're defining it. That's what a six-sided die is. Right. There's a, there's certainly a, a spirit you have to take when you when you play uh, un, or else you could rules lawyer almost every single card to death. Yes, that's my job is I want to let the fun through without letting the sort of the unfun... I mean, there is a rules lawyer card. Oh, let's talk about that real quickly. You try to kill rules lawyer so many times. It is... It is uh, <laughs> It's it's one of those cards that it does so many things that are so hard to grok that uh, I was worried that people were going to uh, uh, not love it as much as you do. But it is, uh, in fact, beloved by a large... Uh, it, it, I mean, a lot, a lot of questions about... So, so, really what it is, for those that have never played with Ruled Lawyer, essentially it's a Platinum Angel. I mean, it's a weirder Platinum Angel. But basically, as long as this is in play, you can't lose and your creature's... Well, they can be destroyed, but they can't. They, they can't leave. die. 
I no, they, they can be destroyed. They, but they, if they have zero toughness, they don't leave. But I don't think they leave even if they're destroyed. No, no, no. It's not a state. State base doesn't stop destruction. State base, destruction destroys destruction. Okay. I Trust me. Ha, having to answer questions about this, I've gotten very good about it. Um, but anyway, it is. Uh, there's a lot of weird things that happen, though. We take the state base effects away. So I'm getting a lot of questions like, if I do things that you like. like some of the questions are not that they'll ever, ever happen. Just, hey, hypothetically, what would happen questions. Those, I can't answer all of those, but I, I do answer the practical ones. We're like, this will actually come up in a game. What should happen? Yeah. But anyway, um, we made good time. We did. So um, any final thoughts before we... Because we, we're, we're actually just arrived we're to work. Wizards of the Coast. Um, no, it, I just really appreciate all the feedback that we've been getting about the set. It sounds like people are really excited and happy. And, and uh, our goal is to make a fun game. And I think we did it. Yes. And I, I just, I just want to thank you, by the way, because I... I've been wanting to make it unset forever, and it really, if not for you and Globus's help, it would not have happened. So uh, I want to thank you guys. The, the console marks came through. It did. So anyway, I hope you guys, if you've somehow not played Unstable yet, or you should have by the time this comes out, go play Unstable. It's a, it's a really fun experience. Even if you just play it once in the draft format, I'm not saying you need to, like, construct decks or anything. Even as it's just a simple draft format, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool stuff there. Uh, and it, it is fun. Even if you love taking the game super seriously, it is nice every once in a while not to take it so seriously. Um, but anyway, that is all the time we got for today. So I want to thank you for joining me, Mark. Thank you. And uh, we're now at work, so we know what that means. And this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time.